A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Folks, welcome to the Pole Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D, the Dead Pole Hitter, coming at you with an episode with Mr. Dylan White from Prospects Live. Dylan is awesome person, most importantly, and he's has incredible knowledge not only in the prospect world but in the redraft world as well. And we get into talking a little bit about what he offers on the Prospect Live Patreon Patreon site and some of the tools he developed there to great prospects and how they measure up to historical players um, from history and how we can project them going forward skill-wise. So he does some awesome stuff. So I highly recommend anyone who doesn't have um, a Patreon to Prospect Live to sign up. It'll help you a lot in Dynasty Leagues and Redraft Leagues, in-season moves, everything. Helps with everything. Um, we also get into projections. Dylan uh, uses projections heavily, and he describes why he does so and how he ranks his players. We go into some redraft strategies, um, how we're doing, um, how we're preparing for the run environment and such, and roster construction. Uh, we talk about some redraft prospects for draft and hold. Um, we touch on Riley Green for a little bit, which was interesting, and Nolan Gorman. Um, we talk about some later picks to be aware of to maybe bring some value to the draft champions teams. And uh, we talk about the new major league rules that are coming into effect and what might mean the most in terms of affecting fantasy baseball players. Uh, we do some ADP battles at the end where we pick from a third base and, stone and starting pitchers. Um, at a specific point in the draft champions ADP. And uh, yeah, Dylan brought the heat. He brought um, several um, awesome, awesome facts and preparation tools and process that he uses to become a better fantasy baseball player. So hope everyone gets a ton of value out of this. All righty, folks, welcome back to the Pole Hitter Podcast. I am Rob D., the dead pole hitter. I have a special guest about two years in the making of this podcast, but um, today we'll be talking to Mr. Dylan White. Dylan, what's going on, pal? Thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, no problem. It's uh, It has been a long time. We've been talking about it for a while and just we've both been busy and stuff's been happening, but finally we got it going. Yes, finally got it going. Um, Dylan is on Twitter at the, ha- the underscore arrival. Um, where did that name come from? Uh, it was originally created because i had a band and that was the name of the band um, oh. and then i just kept that handle all this time and uh yeah so it looks kind of stupid <laughs> it makes no sense <laughs> but uh no, it is what it is 
Oh, that's an interesting guy. I always thought it like was like something like, uh, you know, you, you were announcing that you were here, you know, in fantasy baseball world. <laughs> you, you, you have arrived. Um, but so um, I have a whole bunch of stuff that I want to talk to you about. But I guess um, I just want to know how you got started, um, you know, like in baseball. Is this something that you played as a young kid or play as an adult or uh, is something you just like to watch when you grew up? Yeah, I played baseball as a kid. I was very, very painfully crippling shy when I was a kid. And so my my parents put me into like T-ball and tyke. That's the way it is in Ontario. I'm in, I'm in Toronto, Ontario. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So they have these levels like T-ball, tyke, bantam, midget. I don't know if it's the same in the US. Um, and I was actually pretty good. Um, like in T-ball, I was like the last batter who was always like the slugger guy. Um, and then in Tyke, in Pee Wee and stuff, I would pitch and I was a pretty good pitcher. I, I learned how to throw a curveball really young, which is probably a big life mistake because <laughs> I, I think I need Tommy John or something because my elbow really hurts um, even now. Um, and so I played baseball and in high school, I played baseball. I pitched as well. I was terrible. Like I'm a kind of very skinny kid and I was very slight and uh, I could barely do 10 pushups or whatever, but with my my savvy and moxie i was able to get <laughs> get uh batters out and I, you know i was sort of like a student of the game too i was i really liked as, as you probably know from you know interacting with me in, in fantasy baseball I'm, I'm sort of like analytical and like try to find like the the intellectual side of the game and where to exploit and try to find strategies that way so i never coached i never played in college definitely not as good at that but i always play like uh uh co-ed company softball whenever there's a yes, team yes, or yeah. like <laughs> like the residents at, at university i'd play on their teams and stuff um so yeah and then the jays had you know a couple good runs there that i i you know was peripherally aware of and so toronto was a team for a while uh, uh, like a big baseball uh team here for canada obviously and then i fell off the map for baseball completely um like i like i said i was in a band I was playing like pursuing music and I like stopped watching baseball for like probably like from 2004 to 2010 like zero I don't know anything wow. about what happened in that time and then I we used to play uh fantasy baseball in high school um and my buddy who was um in that high school league, he he contacted me outside of uh like after university and stuff and said, Hey, I'm, I'm in this league, this fantasy baseball league. You want to, you want to join? We're looking for players. I'm like, Oh yeah, I haven't done this forever. And so I, uh, I joined in 20, it was the year that it was like trout or Miggy would be, who was the first pick. They weren't sure. Mm -hmm. There was that debate. Um, I ended up getting first pick. So this is the first league I played in after not playing for years. Um, I didn't know anything about anything. I'm trying to find projections and like, how do you even like, I don't know anything about anything. Um, and I ended up picking Trout at 1-1 and I ended up winning the league. And so I got a taste Look for at it. That. And I'm like, I think, uh, you know, maybe I could like really study and spend some time. I can I can uh, do better and better. And I like want to learn projections and how do you calculate dollar values, all this stuff um, from what I remember was, was in its infancy. Um, like I didn't know like replacement value and I'm like what is this and position scarcity scarcity what is all this and I'm like learning and learning and and uh then in 2014 that same high school friend is a commissioner of a league 
And um, I'd asked him whenever you got it, like, I want to do like a keeper league. I want to like kind of branch out into like more strategy and like mm-hmm. prospects and all that stuff. Um, and he said, that in 2014 there was an opening and so i joined that league it was like a keeper it's still going it's a keeper auction with salaries um it's a 12 team league so it's not the biggest but tim mcleod uh was in that league okay and uh he he won i guess tell wars in like 2012 i believe um he is that right maybe maybe later i can't remember anyway he was in that league and so we kind of became like competitors and friends and uh i i joined a dynasty league i I took the plunge for dynasty leagues with him in uh, a few years later after so i guess 2017 ish something like that maybe maybe earlier um and so i'm partners with tim mcleod in dynasty leagues and then obviously i love dynasty leagues that that's kind of right up my alley Uh, the strategy of prospects and all that um and so I'm in a dynasty league with you, as as uh, the listeners may not know. Yes. And and uh, yeah, that, I guess that's how I uh, I got into fantasy. I don't know a lot kind of. That's long, awesome. Long winded there. No, that's cool how you came back right right back in and you started dominating. Um, yes, as the, the I think I think I've mentioned um, the, the dynasty league a couple of times on the show at least. And yeah, did you um, you've won back to back years now, right? I uh, know Brian Slack won last oh, year. Oh, Brian. Uh, the oh, year before, yeah. 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 yeah so, sorry, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Brian. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's interesting because it's like I joined that league with Steve Weimer. We took on, we took over two teams. We did a little dispersion draft. And I was like, cool, this was my first, you know, big, big dynasty league. I had one at home. Um, my original league was a keeper league, just like yours too. 12 team auction salaries, all that fun stuff. And that's great. I love that so much. Like it still has such a big piece of my heart because of, you know, it's, it's just special. I know everyone in the league. I know their tendencies. I know who they, you know, like one guy drafts two $20 catchers every single year. One guy gets three $20 closers every single year, you know? So it's like, I love having a part of that but yeah the dynasty league man that was really intimidating it, i i really went into you know trying to understand prospects a little more that season i knew that i had to get better um just for like draft draft and hold and just fab um once i entered the nfbc realm i just saw that people had a lot more knowledge that i had to really step up. So I wanted to just get better and everything. And I figure if I forced myself into learning all the prospects and not just the main ones that are going to get called up, I could help myself and redraft. And I think that's something like a lot of people don't really understand that they think dynasty is just for dynasty, but it's helped my redraft and draft champions game so much, you know, just by knowing the players. So when they come up, I don't have to do like, you don't have to do a deep dive. You already kind of know what to expect, but yeah, that, that dynasty league's a lot. Um, I feel like there's the like the three or four of you up top, and there's like four or five at the bottom that are gonna stay at the bottom for a while, and then it's, it's just everybody in the middle, you know. Um, but I was proud of myself. I think I went from like 19 to 11th this year or something like that. Um, you got that. You got that young core. You got uh, Julio. You got Adley. Uh, Wit. A couple other guys. Yeah. yeah. Wit, of course. Yeah. So, yeah that was... You're going to be, you're going to be a, a force in the thick of it for a while. I hope so. I hope so. Last year I, I land, I'm, I'm going to try to just keep making some trades like off season, like last year when I got Ian Happ, like a fifth round pick and 
you know, stuff like that. Like uh, that helped my team a lot. It wasn't even the big splashy moves. It was just incrementally. I think it was Josh Naylor too. It might've been the other guy that I got for a pretty decent price. Um, he was a that th- just, throw in. Just, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Just, just a throw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you just throw in Josh Naylor? I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Sure. <laughs> I have 200 points. Don't worry. It's no big deal. I can afford them. <laughs> Oh man, but all right, that's cool. So you write and do podcasting for Prospects Live, um, which is a phenomenal website, Patreon. Um, if any of the listeners are not familiar with Prospects Live, you definitely should be. Um, I mean, I feel like you really, as a whole, you and all your um, colleagues there have just really, really brought on like something cool with um not only the covering of all the prospects, but all the tools that you've implemented, like even the availability of some of stats or metric that you just can't find, you know, and it's, um, it's really awesome. I just think it's probably one of the better investments um, for the 10 bucks a month um, that you can really get that'll cover everything that you guys have. So how did you um, get involved with prospects live and, um, I guess, like, did you want to do content or, you know, and I know some of the tools that you've developed, I I was always wondering, like, if it was, um, like, did, did one cause the other, like, did, did your robo scout tool, which we're going to talk about, like, get, get you to want to do content or did you start doing content and say, like, I have to develop some cool tool to like really distinguish myself? That's a good question. Um, the Robo Scout came out just out of necessity of being able to compete in Dynasty Leagues. I, oh. I wanted to see if I could, I needed to learn about prospects um, like my own. I wanted to be able to do it and not have to rely on like Prospects Live or Baseball America to update their, their prospect list halfway through. Um, it was a bit of a, it, it wasn't as rich the online content for prospects back then. And so um, like right now you can find it anywhere basically. Um, so I, I just developed, I tried to use uh, math and stats to, to see if I can project or predict what prospects would do well. And it was an iterative process. It was kind of, I did it in the background. I didn't use it like this spreadsheet or whatever as a, as a way to, to guide my picks. It was more of like, keep it in the background. What does it tell me I should pick and then see how those players ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got more and more confident with it and I started using it. And then now it's almost my primary tool um, in picking up players and prospects in, uh, in, in fab. Um, so I, I, I got into content. It was through Tim McLeod again um, with Rich Wilson's, uh, uh, prospects 361 yep. that website yep. mm-hmm. um, so they have their weekly I, I think it's now like semi-weekly they do a lot of podcasts now um, they had their thing and then um, Rich and I talked and I came on I was kind of doing more of a, like an analytical bent he's like he's a scout he went to scouting school and his 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 niche and his his sweet spot is scouting and and prospects um, he's also a dynasty player for a long time he's a commissioner in many leagues um, but I was kind of coming in from the analytical side, which uh, wasn't that big on his, his website at the time. So I, I wrote a couple articles, um, did a couple podcasts, and then it, it kind of wasn't, uh, it just, I, I got too busy and I couldn't do it. And it kind of just, I stopped. And then Smada, 
um, was in our, our dynasty league. I don't know. Was he in the league when you were, when you joined, was he still in the league? Yes. Yes. So, so after, so I knew him through there basically. And, you know, we talk every so often on, on Twitter and stuff. Um, and then he approached me and asked if uh, I wanted to join Prospects Live for content because I'd been posting sort of my Robo Scout. Um, I called it the formula at the time yes, on Twitter, yep. and I was just like, "These are the top ten guys or whatever." I wanted to keep it close to the chest because I didn't want like I wanted to use it for myself. And so like I just I posted what I thought it was interesting or or, or cool or I'd already grabbed the guys that I'm going to be posting about. Um, and I guess Smada and Eddie and them liked what I was doing. And and kind of liked the the fact that I was coming from a data side and coming up with prospects and they're they're extremely strong on the scouting side they're extremely strong on the on the amateur side and the draft side and um, I guess it was more like I, I was kind of adding a new a new angle um, that uh, would would sort of enhance and supplement uh, the the content they were giving so I, I joined them and uh, Robo Scout was folded into them and then I just I realized that people could get more value out of this Robo Scout when I, when I'd write my weekly sort of um, reports on who was popping up and stuff. And so I ended up doing the content there. I really enjoy it. It takes a lot, lot, lot of time and it takes, it's a lot of work every Sunday to write that thing up quickly before I, I want to get it out before fab um, so that people can take advantage of it. Um, but it's very rewarding. I, I seem to get a lot of good feedback that uh, they like those, those weekly articles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in you know in our league that we're we're so there's not that many guys that that are readily available, but when it does pop up on the sheet, and now you know you guys have the integrated you know roster tool on the right. site, which is huge. You know you can um, just download your rosters into the site, and it'll show who's available, and instantly you could see the Robo Scout scores and. I think it's it's really cool. It it it's really awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think I remember when it was just the formula. I think I think that's when I when I first started noticing some of the people that you were calling out. And I was like, huh, this this some interesting stuff. Like, where's he where's he getting these players from? You know. Um, I think you I think you even led me to a couple of players in our our league this year. Um, so generous. You know, I guess that's what you do when you're sitting at the top at 190 points. You're like, let me let some of the other guys have some some decent prospects. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But that's you know, Robo Scout is definitely um, is definitely awesome. I pretty much that's my first go to for like the prospects. I'll look at you know, I'll look at the, I'll look at that. I look at the top 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 prospect list i look at james anderson top prospect list and then i'll go from there i'll go to fan graphs and do whatever else i need to do but it's funny how it's just like my first thing i pull up robo scout and i'm like oh 90 you know i just like it's it's so uh it's just so easy to go to it and see what else i can get into with that player but so you kind of talked about how it was developed like what what goes into it? Obviously, you don't have to give away all your secrets, but like, what is it a measure of the Robo Scout um, score? Yeah, so um, basically, the premise is um, minor league stats are predictive of major league performance. Um, that's well documented. Clay Davenport's been doing it. Uh, you know, Dan Saborski with Zips, Steamer does it um, for the prospects who are close to to. Uh, making it to the majors uh, the higher levels um and you see like 
Jordan Rosenblum, who is now part of the Dynasty team on Prospects Live, he's done some work on like how uh, aging curves and level, I call them level curves. It's like how a double A player who's doing this is expected to do in the majors. Um, so it's basically kind of incorporating all that stuff. So like walk rate and strikeout rate and WRC plus are, are quite sticky um, going from minors to majors. Um, they kind of fit the curves with uh, fewer error bands than some other things like stolen bases, for example. Um, so it's just kind of like, I take all that. I, I see who's doing well at each level. I kind of apply these rough curves to them. Um, I incorporate park factors where I can. So, you know, a guy who's hitting 20 home runs, but he's in a, you know, a hitter's park may, that may actually be 15 home runs, quote unquote. Um, and then I, I, uh, I regress as well. So someone who's doing well in like a 88 bats compared to someone doing well in, in 400 at bats, I, I kind of regress it to kind of smooth out the, uh, the ups and downs of small sample size. Um, and then I end up giving a score for the entire level. So all AAA, they all get a score, all AA get a score, et cetera. And I, I just scale it zero to hundred just because I wanted it to be intuitive. Smada and I went back and forth for a long time trying to figure out what's the most kind of intuitive way to use this. Um, because I know what a, a single A guy will quote unquote do in double A, you can make a master sheet. But what ends up happening is like all those single A guys have terrible scores. Mm -hmm. And so it, it kind of right. didn't really want that because people will be like, well, there's the, he's 400th on this list. And uh, why would I want to take Jackson Churio or whatever? But when you know he's number one in, in single A at, at the time, um, that's someone you may want to get. So depending on your window of contention and, you know, what, what kind of roster you want to construct in your dynasty league, uh, you can pick and choose. So anyway, that's how we chose it. We chose a zero to hundred, um, score, uh, for each level. Um, yeah, I think that's basically the premise. It's more, it's more of a, it's data driven only no scouting comes into it. Um, and so it just purely gives a number. And then my article kind of, I distill, like I incorporate sort of the scouting element saying, well, this is a catcher and he has nowhere to play. So maybe don't pick him, even though he has a, a 100 or this guy's a 16 year old pitcher in the complex. And so, you know, there's a, there's going to be a high attrition rate that he may not even make it. So don't jump out and get him. And I, I kind of judiciously and subjectively pick who I think are good targets or who are interesting or or even buzz from the other from other industry outlets saying, you know, you're hearing a lot about this guy, so let me do a dive. And it's like, well, RoboScope doesn't really like him. And these are the reasons why. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that that's the gist of RoboScope. That's that's awesome. Uh, that that's so cool how you like, you know, really progress things for like a guy, like you said, that has a lot of rep bats or a little rep bat and and the park factors. I think that's that's so huge too. Um that's such a big uh that's such a big thing that I can't really get a number on, you know, we could look at what going on in those leagues and like, you know, Brandon fought, you know, like he's, he's, he's one of these yeah. guys like that I picked in draft champions because, um, you know, I just feel like, well, if he could strike people out, you know, uh, it's gotta be better where the balls won't be flying out of the park, <laughs> you know, but um, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But just to have a number on all these, you know, on all the players, it's, it's really cool. And I know that when you, when it first came out, it, it was Throbo Scout for pitchers, right? And then you just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really love that. Like that. <laughs> I remember reading that and just like, oh, that's so clever. Throbo Scout. 
<laughs> that, that's yeah, really... we, we, we staggered the the uh the implementation like first roboscout the hitters came out and then the pitching roboscout it just sounded boring to say pitching roboscout so throwboscout <laughs> yeah throwboscout it is um <laughs> what 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 do you think is um like the best use of the tool itself the the roboscout and can you get um you know what can you get from it if you use it just even in um in a redraft week in season that's a great question i i think personally for me the the best use of it is to find guys before other people are onto them because i do that regression and i'm constantly calculating every week um, how a player is doing relative to to the rest of the crowd guys pop up soon and like so someone like james who i who's amazing, obviously, he, he'll update his, his prospect list, but like once a month, or Air Cross does it every so often, or, or Michael Halpern on Imaginary Brickwall, he, he does it pretty regularly too, but it's still like there's a there's a lag between when they make their new rankings and like real-time data. So I think that for me is, for Dynasty, is the biggest advantage using RoboScope because it'll pick guys up very quickly. Yeah. Um, for redraft, I think it's sort of applying that same premise. Um, if if someone's doing well and you've never heard of them, there's chances that you know your league mates have never heard of them either. So if Sean Bouchard or someone is doing well um, in AAA, there's a high chance that he may get called up um, to the majors that year. So I in I think in a couple of my articles I talked about how like the top pitchers in AAA were. A bunch of people um i can't remember the names but i'm like eight of those 10 were called up like um within a month right. even names you've never heard of and stuff um so it's it's a good way to see who's performing in a way that um is kind of more major league team um what they're looking for rather than you know just a guy with home runs but he strikes out too much it's more of like the overall offensive package that the guy brings or the overall pitching package that the guy brings rather than certain stats that people may if they're doing their own filters on fan graphs like they may not be looking at the sort of the whole package you're looking at like who's stealing a lot of bases i want to take that guy whereas i'm looking at sort of holistically this prospect is performing offensively or uh, as a pitcher in a way that it would benefit a major league team and so they may they may are more likely to call them up that's great because i mean that's that's great to incorporate what major league teams want you know so it's like it's just a great snapshot it's i remember the um in season i think when jake mccarthy first came up he was one of the first guys like in season that i caught my eye on on robo scout and um i didn't win his bid that week but he was in my like he was in my waterfall i i had him in there um again it was obviously something that popped up on your on your sheet and i went and looked him up i was like okay this is an, an interesting profile um yeah but it's definitely it's definitely helpful to be a step ahead because like you said there is some lag in the data and you have so much data too at your hand. So it's, it's something that's very, very trustworthy. Um, awesome tool. I, I, again, like if, if anyone's listening to this and they don't know about this, go to prospect law, Patreon, and uh, you'll get everything Dylan is talking about in this um, episode for sure. Um, and then you just develop this hitter comp tool, which is super awesome. 
Um, that's pretty new, right? It came out about a month ago, I would say. Um, yeah, the, the hitters came out a month ago. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The hitters. Um, so you want to walk through what um, what it is and why why it was developed? Yeah. So I I'm the type of person who thinks that the more tools you have, um, the more informed your decision can be. So I like projections. I use that as a, we're, we're going to talk about that later. I use that as a data point. I use StackCast, et cetera. Um, so for, for prospects, um, there's RoboScale, but then what about other, other methods of trying to find prospects? And so I know like uh, Chris Mitchell, who used to have the Cato system, K-A-T-O-H on fan graphs. Mm-hmm. Um, and even uh, Zips kind of does this too, where it, takes a prospect's profile and then looks for historical comps. So who had a similar walk rate, who had a similar strikeout rate, a similar age at that level and their performance. And then, you know, from that pool of similar players, you can kind of get an aggregate expectation of what um, a hitter would or a prospect would do. And so that was the premise. So I, I take all those, all those stats, WRC plus, home run rates, stolen base rate, ground ball rate, things like that. Um, and I try to find comps from since 2007. Um, that's as far back as Fangraphs <laughs> goes, which is mm-hmm. what I use to get my, my minor league data. Um, and it basically, um, it weights certain things more than others. Um, I, I do sort of Z scores of each of those, of each of those stats. And then I try to find like the, who are the closest, um, to to the to the, the player basically so here are the top 10 guys and then um those are the the comps for, for that player at each level and so i think the way what i like about it i mean it's super fun i find it very fun yeah. is <laughs> you you can see like oh how does um nico cavadas who is you know 24 at double a or whatever he is um that's kind of old for the level. And so is he actually that good? What historically has someone who's 24 hitting that many home runs? I don't even know if he's 24. So maybe I'm misspeaking, but what does someone like that do historically? And then you look and see, Oh, here are the 10 guys. Eight of them never made it to the majors. Um, You know, one did. And so like, maybe that gives you an idea of like, will he succeed? What, what, what are his chances of making it to the majors and and succeeding? And then the other, other way you, you do it and you see there's like, eight comps and they're all major league players of which two of them are all-stars you're like well i really like this profile this is someone who i'm interested in because there's a historical uh comp for that type of performance i think it that's that's so great because i like you said um even if the actual players aren't great you know there's some guys i'll bring up and i'm like all right all these guys in the majors you know they they've made it and even if they aren't super special, you know that that player has a good chance of at least getting some at bats and getting good run and, you know, in the majors. Um, and then, you you know, you also have the drop down um, tool to like it's like it's set for same age only, but you can go like a year up as well to, to, to see like a little more if you want to mix in 19 year olds with 20 year olds. Um, but then it's, you know, I've been. I think because in your article you explain this, but I constantly see other players on that list. So like Jason Dominguez at um at high A, you know, it's like some interesting players. You get Byron Buxton, you get Correa, you get Justin Upton, you get Jordan Lawler, um, and then you get Bo Bichette. And it's like, oh, this is this is interesting. 
And then um, I've just been having fun going to those players specific years, you know, so I'll go to Bucks in 2013 and like, whoa, like, like it's, it's, it's so cool because that'll spit back like different players, you know, forward and back that it's just awesome. Like I, I think the first night that it came out, I, I spent a lot of time just like just, <laughs> just doing that. Just doing, like you said, just going from like random player and random year and seeing because it works backward and forward like that and it was just like wow this is it's a really awesome tool and like you said it encapsulates so many things k's walk percentage ops you know iso all this and then um you even have the like the home runs per plate appearances and uh or, or i think it's home runs per 550 yeah. plate appearance it's just a good spread of stats like you don't really need to go anywhere else but you know it's it it's really dynamite and it's, it, it could kill like two hours of your night if you're really bored <laughs> for sure <laughs> it's like those rabbit holes you're talking about you look at buxton and then you're like another name pops up you're like oh yeah and then you check that name and then you know you check the name of or the same name but the year before to see like what kind of like um like how did he progress and what was his evolution? Like you look at Randall Britchick and you see how he did in two different years, for example. And he just, exactly like you said, it, it's, it spits it out so fast. I was telling Smata cause he, he, he kind of did the front end um, that it's just like, it's so fast that it's so easy. Like on my spreadsheet that are, that I originally had it on, you know, you have to like copy, paste, sort, and then filter out the A and it just takes forever. But this, you just like literally press a button. It's like, bing. And then the media it's, is up there. It's color coded. It's, and it's so, so quick. Fun. It really is, <laughs> man. It's so lightning quick. And one of the quickest things that runs on my computer. It's so funny you said that. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And like, you know, it's it's helping a lot with my later picks and draft champions too. Not obviously the Robo Scout tool helps as well, but um. Let's see, I was I, I was looking at a couple of players for outfield and um I was just looking at ADP and um you know I saw um G1 Bay is, uh, is that how you say it? G1 Bay on the Pirates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. um I was like, oh, you know, so I remember he came up. I remember he did some work, you know, in the minors. So I go to the uh, player comp tool and I put them up and I see some interesting names. You know, I see uh, Oscar Mercado, we see Garrett Hampson and Ender Inciarte and Cedric Mullins and Cesar Hernandez. Like they're not, again, not stars, but like they are guys who contributed, you know, power and speed and like pick 500 in a DC. I'm like, ah, oh, this is pretty interesting, you know? And um, yeah, I just landed on some, some interesting comps for players that, it's uh, it's super it's super easy it's super useful it's super fun like and that's what I did I really just went down ADP and I just I was just trying to figure out like okay who who is this player like and just trying to get a better read on you know who you might be picking um, so and the um, I think Curtis Mead was the other guy Curtis Mead had some interesting comp too that. I think Eloy was, yeah, I just pulled it up right now. It was Ryan McMahon, Eloy, um, Gavin Lux. It's just like a cool range of uh, Josh Bell, Nick Senzel. It's just a cool cool overall, overall snapshot of what a player might be. And definitely if they're going to be a major leaguer, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that the the hit that's the hitting one, and uh, the pitching one is in development. I've already um, sent over sort of the the raw data to Smada, and he's got a he's he's working on putting it together. So it's going to be basically exactly the same. That's thing awesome. There, but for that's pitchers. awesome. Do you, do you think um, 
like the hitting is or the pitching is any like more um i guess you like uh I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but is any more like one or more predictive? Is is are hitters easier to kind of? That's a good question. Um, I I think if you asked me this a couple of days ago, I would have said the hitting one's probably more accurate in quotes than uh, the pitching one would be. But then I've been working on this Dynasty 1000 with uh, Jordan Rosenblum is is putting it together. Um, sort of a data quantitative based uh list for dynasty for the for prospects live oh and, man this um, is another thing that's coming out that's coming out yeah it's oh coming my out, god uh, in I, december i only have enough tabs available on my computer <laughs> jesus <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome but so he he he's calculated he he does um he basically tries to, he chains what a 17 year old does when he's 18 and then in aggregate, you know, they're expected to have this sort of development and you have those curves of like their, their strikeout rate will go up and then it'll peak at age 28 or whatever it is um, and walk rate, et cetera. So I've been working on trying to, you can project now forward and say like someone who's 19 years old at double a um, next year will, will, do this and the year after that we'll do this and the year after that I'll do this and then I'm trying to like calculate like his next five years of performance wow and and then kind of like what's that total um like dollar value he's he's giving and then kind of ranking that way so I was playing with that it, it's not gonna it's not the most accurate I, I'm still I'm still tweaking it but I then tried to correlate it to my robo score um just to see how close they are and it's it was shockingly highly correlated, and I, I was, uh, wow, I was, I was uh, <laughs> impressed that the numbers were that close. Um, but yeah, I think the gist is there, there isn't that much. There isn't that much data that is available. You know, strikeout rate, walk rate, strikeout minus walk rate, you know, x fip, fip, all that stuff. Um, you're going to because those are correlated to major league uh, performance. Uh, on some level and we're both kind of using the same tools of course they're going to kind of match and like you'd rather have a 20 20 year old than a 24 year old who's performing the same way that sort of thing so it kind of obviously makes sense that you know the younger player is going to do better than the older player if they have the same uh, performance but I, I was I was pleasantly surprised at, at how well they kind of like the robo score kind of matched the expected you know five-year output of a of a player in the majors um so to answer your question I don't know which one will be better if it's hitters right. or, or pitchers um I think like I said it's, it's just another it's another input it's more information to help make your decision I wouldn't only use one of the tools I would I would, I would try to cross-reference. Like if you do the comp tool and you see that um, this person is correlating to a player who made it to the majors, but they were terrible at defense, whereas the player you like is really good at defense, obviously you put that into consideration because, you know, maybe this guy will have a longer career because he had better defense or vice versa. So you have to, you have to use, you know, you have to use some, some, uh, some decision-making mm-hmm. to, to yeah, see how yeah. you're going to best use these tools. Like I would rely only on one, but I, I, I do think that they are valuable having them in your, in your tool belt, so to speak. That's awesome. It's um, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I love more, more uh, decision points and more tools, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's it's, sometimes it gets dizzying, you know, because Mm -hmm. trying to factor in all these things and all these wonderful, uh, you know, 
tool that everyone makes or, you know, the content that everyone has. So it's, uh, it's, it's useful. It's useful to drive you the right way. Is, is there any way that you could use it in like, um, like, is there any way to use it in a bad way? Like, is there an, like, what could you not expect from using a whole bunch of these tools? Like, obviously I think you mentioned, like, don't expect it to just be the final thing you like the only thing you can use. Um, but is there any like other, I mean, I, I know it's so good. You don't want to talk any bad about it, but like what is, <laughs> if there's anything like, now, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I think it's, you have to be very careful to understand the context. Um, like I said, if someone's good at defense or not good at defense, or if, uh, you know, there was an opportunity with that team that may not be present with the person you're interested in or, or vice versa. Um, I think always take it um, with a grain of salt and see how, uh, without just relying on it solely, how you can kind of incorporate it. Like what seems different? Oh, like this person is correlated with Clayton Kershaw. So does that mean he's going to be Clayton Kershaw? Well, no, that's a lefty versus a righty. And this, you know, that was in single A or whatever it is that, that the thing gives you. And you, you try to kind of temper and hedge what that information is giving you mm-hmm. with kind of your own, your own filter and your own, uh, you know, calculations, so to speak. Um, so you keep mentioning defense. Um, are you subliminally tell me that I'm drafting too much Edward Julian in the 40th round of draft? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm hearing about him. Like besides his awesome, you know, approach and hit tool that he just can't play defense and, this <laughs> uh, sorry, I just thought you were tapping into my brain over there. I was triggering something inside of me. I'm like, is he talking about Edward Julian? <laughs> well, it is. It is definitely something that like a, a major league team is going to care about. So, yep, yeah, it, like someone who has a you know 80 WRC plus but could steal a lot of bases may not get the playing time to to get those stolen bases, for example. Right. So, it's definitely something that um, isn't captured just going by data. Um, so it is something that I, I always, it's funny you say that because I, I do try to remind myself to what's their defense? What's the defense? What's their defense? Right. Um, because right. I'm, I'm only looking at the number that says, oh, this guy is going to hit this many home runs or whatever. Um, but will he get to play to, to, to get those home runs? And now too, like um, without the shift, you know, I think there'll be, I think it's going to be some more re-emphasizing on that up the middle defense that kind of went away with the, We'll just throw Mike Mustak at that second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's kind of going to be a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know if all the Nick Ahmeds of the world are going to come back, but, you know, um, I think um, someone did some work on on Twitter that I saw. I think it was the uh, the pitching bot guy, Cameron Grove. Mm-hmm. He did some work on like the, like what, I think second base was his thing. Like what would, they would need, they're going to need more range than, you know, than prior, um, and a lot of it. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, um, we'll talk about that in a little bit about the, uh, about the new, new environment and stuff. But exactly to your point, like the comps, like maybe back in 2012, if you're coming to Byron Buxton or or Grant Randall Richick, the the environment back then was different, right? Like maybe it was all strikeout pitchers or, or they're pitching to contact in the league. I'm just picking stupid examples but like we're taking the overall history and and applying 
um, like predictions based on that. But that history, that jumble of, of history is different contexts, different league run environments, different, et cetera. So like knowing what the, the gaps are or what the potential flaws are in the comp tool or a projection system or RoboScout is important. I tried to, for the comps, I tried to take, um, I did Z scores for each metric for that year. So like in 2013, Byron Buxton's, you know, home runs per 550 plate appearances, what was this Z score? So it's league context related instead right. of like the overall pool saying he hit this many home runs. Um, and then that's what I'm comparing. So like the relative performance um, that year in the league. And that's what I'm trying to compare. Like someone who was 50% above average in 2012, who was 50% above average in 2022. Um, so I'm trying to smooth out that, but there are obviously there are gaps. Like if someone's injured, it won't know that things like that. That's awesome, man. That's, that's, that's so much stuff that's packed inside there. I mean, that's so awesome that you can do that and figure it out and um, help poor bastards like me who can't do anything on a spreadsheet, but copy and paste and put some colors in every now and then. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, yeah. So projections, um, I know from listening to your podcast and um, you're constantly having to tell Eddie and I know I'm bringing up steamer again, but uh, <laughs> it always gets me laughing, you know, because I'm sure I, I guess uh, maybe it's like a little inside joke too. Like, all right, enough with the steamer, Dylan, but um, it's you having to uh, explain yourself over again, like well, <laughs> why you're saying it is funny. But um, so tell me, I guess, you know, how, how did you get drawn to the projections? You know, how do you use it and get the best out of it? And do you, um, do you make your own? I don't make my own. So, uh, yet, but like I said, with, with, uh, what all the work that Jordan was doing for this dynasty thing, I'm, I'm going to try to see if I can incorporate it somehow. Um, all his <laughs> leverage, all his work into my own personal thing. <laughs> um, I, I, I use them. I, I, I rely on them heavily. Um, they're way better than anything I can do. Um, so I use that as sort of my baseline. Um, I think, like they are much smarter than me <laughs> and, and they have much more history and like they're dedicated to doing that type of thing. Um, so I use that as my baseline. That's where I start. I take the projections. Um, I play with the, the playing time um, mm-hmm. because that's, as we all know, very, very important. Um, but I, I use them knowing that they're not going to be accurate, but they're going to be a good snapshot and sort of the best we have of what that like sort of rate performance is going to be expected to be that year. Um, so I, I take those in into my spreadsheets and then I tweak them with playing time. Um, I do my own sort of side um, calculations on things, which I use as like a tiebreaker. So I'll look at like StatCast and I've done some like some work on like what seems to be correlated. And then I'll, if I'm torn between two players, I'll look at their stat cast and see what my numbers say would be the guy who's the tiebreaker. So I kind of use the, the, the projections as my main source. I tweak them with some of my own things. And then I use like stat cast and other stuff as, as sort of my tiebreaker. Cool. So like you're, you're using like a correlation like between like what max EV does for a player, uh, performance stuff like that yeah 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 exactly so like gotcha. uh you, you see that um you know eat max ev and barrel rate and you know walks and strikeouts are correlated to wrc plus and 
um, next year's WRC plus at you know some R squared correlation, and so I'll just use that and say this is what this is what their predicted expected WRC plus will be, and I'm not using that as as gospel, but I can see it if someone says if someone's showing up as it should have been 140 and someone's showing up it should have been 110, then I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards the 140 guy. Gotcha. Yeah, What's that. your thoughts on max EV? Some people like really push hard to try to say it's useless, and some people you know, find that there's value in it. Um, so how do you lean with it? Uh, I I know Eno cites it because uh, this work, I can't remember who it was, but they had shown that max EV was the highest correlation to next year's, I think, OPS. Um, every time I do it, like I had, I had StackCast data from the miners from last year uh, and the year before, and it has average EV, like 50th percentile, 75th percentile, 90th percentile in max. Mm-hmm. And you, if you try to correlate to like the next year's things that all like in one case, max EV is the best. And in the other case, the average EV is the best. And in the other case, right. 75th is the best. So it's always changing. Um, and then I did some work with uh, major league stack cast trying to um, dabble in like what's predictive, et cetera. And I, I, I actually find that average EV um, is better for my purposes, like for that tiebreaker stuff that I'm talking about, I, I use average EV instead of max EV actually. Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, I, I think too, I think a lot of people are, are just on the assumption that it's just always going to be useful for power and like power only, but I just feel like, you know, there's, there's certain ways to use it that it could be helpful. Not it's like, I think that's what the expectancy is that, um, that on its own, it has to do something on its own, but it could always be paired up with other things, you know, to really get a better picture of it. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of drawn to it in some ways, for sure. Well, I think it's useful. I mean, it definitely shows yeah. like, you know, the potential that this person can hit a ball that hard. And so right. that's obviously useful. Um, yep, 100%. But, you know, if he got lucky, if someone threw a meatball, et cetera, et cetera, like maybe that's not indicative of what he's going to be doing in game all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and and what if it was, you know, into the ground in, instead of like at the appropriate launch angle that you want, right? It may not be that useful. It's just maybe showing his potential strength in quotes, but like, what is that? How's that going to manifest in a game? In a I know situation? there's so much stuff like, you know, this, like the bat speed and the bat angle stuff. It's just, I know that's on the cusp and it's ready to like take over next. It's ready to take over our brains next. And I, uh, I always wonder, like, how how much further is it going to move the needle? You know, is it going to mm-hmm. bring us closer, or is it just going to be more noise? You know, um, it's fun. I like to look at some of that stuff uh, on uh, SwingGraphs.com. They got the vertical bat angle stuff, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's interesting. You know, I haven't found the best way to utilize it yet, but I did read their book, and it was cool. It's a seventy page book on hitting and. Um, bad angles and stuff got me a lot more knowledge on at least when i watch someone you know swing i can kind of get a better idea uh of some things but i'm terrible if i watch like two hitters back to back like even side by side i can't tell you who like there are some twitter polls where it's like who do you think has a higher bat speed this guy or this guy and it's showing like the the motion capture mm-hmm. uh, oh like yeah yeah figure swing and then i'm like i don't know the guy on the right and it's like nope he's like 10 miles an hour slower than the guy on the left. <laughs> what? okay well, that's why i'm not a scout <laughs> yeah yeah because i guess like too like you you're not looking at 
actual hand speed, right? It's just how fast the barrel's moving through the zone, right? right. Or the bat head. Um, yeah, and it's just like where your eyes are drawn to when you're watching baseball. That's why, um, you know, I think um, when I got the guy's name, Tyrion, is that Tyrion Alexander? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's got some cool videos where, you know, just just does a good job. But like, I learned from other people who know what they're talking about, like looking at swinging structures too and the guys at driveline, you know, trying to just get a better idea of uh, the mechanics, all this biomechanic stuff. It really makes a difference, you know, so might as well have some knowledge on it. Um, back to the projections. Do you just use steamer or do you use any other set of projections when you're working? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I try to use um, something that will help me in season. Um, mm -hmm. So like, Aerials ATC is very good and useful before the draft, mm -hmm. um, but he's not updating it as the season goes. And so I didn't want to have to rely on, you know, ATC because it's not going to help me in June. So I, I use the depth charts basically primarily um, for, for pitching and playing time, like the plate appearances. And then I use bad X um, for hitting. Um, yeah, and sometimes when I if I have time, like before Fab or whatever, I'll do I'll have two spreadsheets. One is like just bad X, and one is steamer or like depth charts, and then kind of like see if I'm trying to choose between two players, I'll see like what both projection systems say. No, yeah, um, absolutely. And then uh, I make my decision that way. But one last thing about projections too, like even if someone doesn't think projections are that useful, other people do. So your guys you're, you're competing against, they're using projection systems. They're right. like, maybe not hundred percent of them are, but that is a, a good gauge for the market. Just the way ADP is a good gauge. Like obviously you're not going to necessarily agree with ADP as that's the rankings, but it's information to help you make your, your choices and selections and decisions because you know, other people using ADP, other people using projection systems that you can then tailor your response and your decisions based on that. So that's why I find them so useful because I know a lot of people are, are, are using them. And I try to highlight in Prospects Live as I, I kept hammering that like these guys like Matt Mervis and Jose Miranda, all these guys who have really good steamer projections are going to get drafted in draft and holds. And that's going to have people talking about them and so grab them as prospects because they will now be worth more right in your in your league just because point. people are are drafting based on projections and so even if you don't, don't believe that matt mervis is going to hit 32 home runs or andres chaparro is going to have a 121 wrc plus someone is going to think that and some people are going to pick them based on that and that's just going to raise the value of those guys in your in your leagues that's a great point that's a uh... I think it's always good to know what other people do in your league, you know, and that's just another edge to use. Um, exactly. Yep. Yep. And um, yeah, I think I was never a projection guy, you know, um, until I got really, really into the, the analytics. And um, when I branched out the NFBC, I knew I had to learn other things besides, you know, things I was using in my home leagues, you know, I just knew I had to get better. I was strictly just baseball HQ and I did perfectly fine. Any league I played in, you know, was in the surplus every single year. Um, and then as 
I played my first year in the NFBC, even though I won the draft champions overall, I got smoked in my main event, you know, in the fab leagues. And I was just like, wow, how do these guys are operating differently? They're on a different level. You know, they're figuring out different things. And I started talking to more to Phil Dusso and Steve Weimer and, you know, and started reading um, the book, the process with Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman, Tanner Bell and, start learning about all these different ways to rank people and, you know, just really put in work to understand what they were. And so the projection side of things was, yeah, I was just like a, a skills guy. I just love to look at the skills and I, you know, that's kind of how I used to draft. And then um, I think people miss what the projections are trying to tell us. Cause that's how I learned too. you know, it's just, um, if you're just expecting that to be the end result, then you 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 have to learn. <laughs> you have to think a little harder. You know, like it that that that's not the purpose. And also, too, you know, I'll see people on Twitter look at this guy's steamer pitching projection. You know, they must be smoking. You know, and it's like, yeah. So maybe you think like the innings pitch might be off. You know, but like there's certain there's certain. Um, systems that do things really well, you know, like the bad X might project, you know, K's per nine really like on point, you know? So like, and so you'll might look at a overall be like, Oh, this guy's not striking out 180, you know, batters. Then you might just disagree with the innings pitched, but, you know, take some time to look at the rate stats and, and what, what they're showing you could maybe it's just the playing time that you're not agreeing with, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I just, uh, it's, um, I always feel like, you know, because I learned that way, you know, I know that I used to be that way. I was my first dive into into it was, you know, what are these projections telling me? And then I would look at it like, oh, this this is dumb. This isn't real, you know, but then I learned what it was trying to tell me by listening to smart people who knew the ins and outs of a projection system, talk to people who make them and figure out like what it's what the story they're trying to tell. And once you understand that, then you can really utilize them, you know? And I feel like even if you're tentative or a little on the fence about how to employ them, or if you do want to, um, to at least learn what it's trying to tell you. And then I think you'll be a little better uh, forth going forward. Yeah, no, all of that stuff. 100% agree. I mean, the, the thing that, that really, um, solidified it for me was I took like uh 2021 in this example 2021 woba x woba woba con x woba con and see what predicted 2022 woba the best okay and then I'm like wait a sec I have the steamer preseason projection woba for 2022 and it vastly outperformed all those like woba x woba from the previous year like so I'm like, okay, well, they know what they're doing. I'm not going to come up with something better. <laughs> right. <laughs> so who right. might argue with it? So like, uh, like I, if someone has their own projection system, which does it better than these projection systems, then they would be cleaning it up um, every year, in, in my opinion, obviously yeah. interviews and stuff. But um, I, I, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. These guys know what they're doing and they've been doing it for a while. I will make my tweaks based on what I think the gaps are. If they didn't know that... Daniel Bard now throws hundred miles an hour or miles Nicholas was in, in Korea for the last few years <laughs> yeah. and, and wasn't injured or, or someone was injured. Like all those things I will make what I think are, are adjustments. I don't know 
how much to make those adjustments, but I will make some adjustments based on that, knowing that, you know, the projections are not aware of those, those contexts or those situations. But Absolutely. I use them just as, like I said, as the baseline to understand this guy's relatively better than this guy. And then I can make my decisions based on that. That's so well said, because if you know that, if you kind of can see what they they might be missing, I think a couple of years ago, it was with uh, Giolito, you know, projections were so high still because it still had in his like really bad year, not realizing that the pitch mix change was real. But and then and that's what I think they're they're starting to or will start to if they don't already. I don't know how much weight they put into it, but I'm, you know, I know Derek Hardy talked about how a lot the stack cast, you know, is influencing that the pitch mix and stuff. So they're. They're starting to capture it um, for sure. I don't know how much, but um, but yeah, like you said, I think finding the gaps is 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 where where it is. It's like if you just plug something in uh, a set into you know SGP or whatever you're using, and you just like you just draft, and you know you you're doing it wrong. Like you said, you go through the playing time and adjust that if you think it's wrong. If if you think Edward Julian can get 400 at bats or who, you know, anything, anything like that, it's uh, definitely meaningful to go through it and, um, and change it to your, to your um, specifications. So what's your um, expectations for prospect projections? Like um, it is, uh, I don't know. Do you think that the her projection systems are changing the way they might be? projecting younger players based on like them getting called up quicker or anything like that? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think the projection systems that project prospects are pretty good, but I think the, the error bands are much higher. There's way more variance just because uh, the prospects are so young. A lot can change. Um, I think player development in general, and maybe this is wrong, but I think it's better than, you know, 10 years ago in, in aggregate for major league mm -hmm. teams. I know there's some who are still, you know, back in the stone ages or whatever, but I think um, they're getting better and like things like driveline and, you know, guys like Lars Newmark can show up and, you know, add all this um, exit velocity because he can tweak a swing or these pitchers can now with the heavy ball training or whatever can throw so much faster that certain things that would only quote unquote naturally develop in the past are like now you can focus and, and truly yep. develop those things. Um, pitch modeling and, and sculpting and pitch design to get, you know, better spin axis on your slider, all that stuff. All these things were, were far ahead than we were, you know, a decade ago. So um, the data, maybe projections systems we're using is now obsolete or less accurate because it's not really indicative of what, like if you think that someone in double A, you know, is expected to have a WRC plus of, you know, 50 points less than in the majors and less than what they did in, in double A, maybe that's not true anymore because the double A hitters are you know facing better pitching and they they're focusing on these things etc so maybe that 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 delta between double a and majors is different now that right. um projection systems aren't accounting for so like i noticed this is purely anecdotal um that the steamer projections this year during 2022 
of prospects were way their WRC pluses were so high. Like the Andres Chaparro, like I said, is so high. And like Vinny Pasquantino is gonna be like the the 10th best WRC plus. And like Cal Manzardo is like 120 yep. or something like that. Like these guys, like that's like the, those are elite hitting and they haven't even they haven't even had a single plate appearance in the majors. Right. And I feel that the only explanation is that they are accounting for the things I'm talking about, that they they're finding a new context and that minor league hitters are better than they've been in the past. And right. so they're, they're going to perform better in the majors when they make it. That's purely anecdotal. And uh, I, I have no evidence to support that. <laughs> but I just, I just noticed that all these WRC pluses were so high on these prospects um, for steamer projections. And so I, I think they must be, I don't think it's an error. I think that um, that's what their translations are showing that from, from AAA to and AA to the majors is, are different than what they've been in the past. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I did notice a couple, I did notice Manzardo's again, cause that was, um, you know, third, 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 first baseman in the draft champions. And I'm looking at him and um, it, yeah, it was just, um, it's interesting because they're mixed in with really like the elite players, you know, so you can't miss it. Um, yeah. You know, like uh, even doing a steamer 600, like just you see some of these players that are popping up and you're like, wait, who's this guy? And uh, yeah. yeah, that's funny. You mentioned uh, Taparo's name because I thought, I thought it was just like a misprint. I was like, when I put it into a spreadsheet, I was like, who, <laughs> wait a minute. What <laughs> did I click the right tab? Um, um, it's, it's yeah. And I just wonder if like how many, you know, how, how influenced um, it is by two, just seeing like Michael Harris and uh, you know, Grissom just come up and from not having any experience at AAA and just being able to, really perform well on a, on a major league scale. So uh, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's definitely, it definitely is eye opening for sure. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's talk about some redraft stuff. Um, actually, you know what? I actually want to ask you a quick question while on the projections for prospects. How do you think they're adjusting for the stolen base environment because I know like last year it was pretty, pretty aggressive in the minor leagues, right? Because of the new rules and there's a little bit of an uptick. So do you expect like the projections to pick that up and adjust for the stolen base rate, you know, for rookies and prospects? I hope so. <laughs> I hope they will. I don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think someone asked uh, on Twitter, uh, Jared Cross on about Steamer, like how they incorporated the stolen base uh, environment, and I can't remember the answer, <laughs> but I will. I will before I, you know, do some drafts. I'll, I'll make sure that I, I'm uh, I'm aware of what the context is. Either they have or they haven't, and then make my adjustments that way. I don't know. I would assume they will, um, but a lot of it is kind of a uh, bit of dart throwing. You don't really know how much weight to put on it, etc um in my opinion or I, i'm not smart enough to figure out how much of a of an influence to put on it i know there will be and i know that you know if you're only allowed to to throw over to the base a couple times then 
people are going to steal bases at a higher rate than you'd expect. And so obviously some adjustment needs to be made. Um, I don't know what that adjustment is. So I'm yeah. hoping that the smarter people are going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have yeah. to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I hope that for sure. Um, yeah, because I can't figure it out. You know, I know that I can't, but um, I know there will be some smart people who have already adjusted for it and incorporated it into their models or whatever. Um, it's just so hard. I, I feel like too, like, I don't know, you got to go and watch a little bit of these guys too. You know, I don't know how to explain that, but I think stolen bases is you got to watch a guy steal a base too, to kind of have any influence on what you expect him to do when he comes into the major leagues. Um, there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff to incorporate. Um, all right. So yeah, redraft stuff. You're, you're um, prepping for this year's um, draft. Um, how are you adjusting for last year's offensive decline with the new ball and the humidors? Um, are you expecting a similar MLB environment this year? I am just taking the projection systems and using those relative values. I assume that they're they're applying if it's you know going to be a higher run scoring environment or lower run scoring environment they're they're applying that equally to all players. So the relative values, this is my assumption, the relative values are basically going to be the same or similar. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just taking the, what the projection systems are saying relative. So Gunnar Henderson versus you know Jose Miranda, like they're the same run environment adjustment is going to be. Uh, up or down to them i don't I, I i don't go to the minutia of like well he plays in this park and the humidor is going to do this or whatever um i just say everyone is up or down and all my calculations of my player values are based on the the, the player pool in general anyway so if everyone's got the same uh, relative adjustment it's going to be basically similar if that makes sense no that does that that does make sense so you use your projections and you throw them into um i think you mentioned to me that you use some sort of z-score ranking um and a whole cool spreadsheet with um estimated like percentage chance they'll be available in a certain round it's pretty it's a pretty elaborate spreadsheet um that you use yeah so i for like tgfbi or or fab leagues in general i i kind of separate into two two sections pre-draft and then mm -hmm. in season right um so pre-draft i i take the projections i i i sort based on like my own calculations but i i weight like batting average higher than the other um categories for me because i i'm terrible at finding batting average on the wire um i i i incorporate sort of aerials uh intra i can't remember what he calls it but the thing about like oh like the intra skew and um the yeah intra, exactly, yeah yeah exactly. yep yep that's interesting so i i yeah i don't want to take you know the mondesi for stolen bases because if he gets injured then you're screwed for stolen bases so i, mm -hmm. I he gets dinged by having such a high extreme um z score since i use these scores um and from there i i, I do all the sorting and i have i have the player pool now and what they're their projected value should be. I can then tweak the the uh, playing time, the plate plate appearances, etc., and and make the adjustments that way. Um, and so, like that gives me a snapshot of like basically who should be taken in Gladiator, 
because mm-hmm. these are the guys who will have the if that's their season total that's what their their dollar value that they'll bring will be um and then from that player pool i have like the steamer 600 um what if instead of the plate appearances that i have listed um what if they all had 600 plate appearances or what if they all had 450 player appearances? So it's sort of like, this is now the player pool. What are their rate stats showing? Like who's actually just a, an accumulator because of plate appearances versus who's actually like on a per plate appearance basis, actually more productive. So I actually have a number. So I don't have, I have their dollar value. And then I have their like steamer $600 value oh, that nice. they'd be expected to, to have right beside it. Um, then I take that ADP, so this is pre-draft now. I take the ADP and I calculate like using the, like the Jeff Zimmerman, I think, well, that's who I learned it from. I don't know if he, he developed it, but you take the min and the max and that's four standard deviations. And so you can like calculate what percentage, what's the probability that someone will be taken at a certain uh, round mm-hmm. or, 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 or selection. Um, so I incorporate that in there. So I have the sorting of all players. I have their dollar value, their Steamer $600 value. And then I have what ADP, what round they would be expected to um, be taken 80% of the time. And then I compare those two, the dollar value and then the expected dollar value from that round that they're being picked in. And I kind of compare the two. So who is being taken, you know, uh, 11 rounds too early because of their, their projections only showing that much, et cetera. Um, so I do all this, this stuff for, for pre-draft where I'm trying to find where the big um, values and I kind of sculpt my expected draft around that, that, oh, this guy taking, you know, Eric Hosmer in the 32nd round is actually uh, a smarter play because he's going to give this much more dollar value. And so that's who my first baseman I'm planning to take will be, et cetera. And then I kind of sculpt around it. So I don't need a first baseman. Um, nice in this example um and then in season it's i don't i don't use any of that stuff anymore right i'm just i'm pulling up rest of season projections plugging them in and then i'm i'm tweaking playing time and so you can see oh if this person gets called up this person's playing time's gonna drop and they're gonna be worth this much dollars like i i I get to see in real time what like the dollar value change is gonna be um if they had an extra hundred plate appearances or a hundred less fewer plate appearances. Um, I also have, and I mentioned this in a, in a tweet where I have in TGFBI, for example, since it's like the only league uh, of that, uh, like a redraft league that I played in last year. So I spent a lot of time on it. Um, I have everyone's rosters in my spreadsheet too. Oh and shit. It, yeah. So every week, every Sunday, I like I, I make the 15 changes to people's rosters and it pulls in the projections and it, it shows like what their expected standings will be with that with that roster. So one time when, when Jacob deGrom was coming back in in August, uh, August 1st, I took like I can just because the way I've set it up, I can just take every I can just type Jacob deGrom over top of the worst pitcher on all my opponent's teams and see how it changes the standings. So I can see like by getting Jacob deGrom now and if I had him instead of Matt Barnes, I will go up four points in the standings or I'll, I'll go up three points in the standings or I go up seven points in the standings. So I, I use that and I playing with that constantly to see like who is if, if I lost Giancarlo Stanton. And I had to plug in, 
you know, Randall Gritchick, how much is that going to hurt me? And I see, oh, it's going to hurt me three points or it actually doesn't change anything. And then so I don't need to focus on that on power or whatever I think Stanton gives me um, when I target my next fab, for example. So I have all of these things that I've, I've set up. It's taken years to get into a place where I can just kind of like copy and paste the projections and it like plugs in all this stuff. And um, but I have it I have it pretty slick. For... That's fascinating. I'm I'm like my I'm floored right now. That's awesome. <laughs> that there's there's so many things in there that that, that packed into that. Um, but just that just that last point, just saying like um, maybe you you're hyper focused on power, where you realize that um, it shouldn't be like a super super high focus that you could replace it in a certain way. Maybe not as critical as you thought. Um, when you just say, oh, I don't have John Carl Stanton anymore, you know, it sounds like a huge, huge loss, but um, that's, that's great. And just having everyone's projected standings too. So I'm, I'm assuming cause you've, um, you've been a part of two uh, overall races in the TGFBI the last two years, right? Um, what were your final finishes in the last two years? Second uh, and so fifth? Second I mean, and fifth. second Second and fifth. Okay. Yeah. And I was 13th in the, in the COVID year as well. Wow. So <laughs> are you using it to like in the overall part? Or are you like, like, did you have Mike Richards and Jeff's um, team standings too and seeing how they, their team would, would fluctuate? Or is it just for your, in, in your specific league? It was just for my league, but then I, I did. You did. There, I had this time on the weekend. I'm like, okay, I got to take Mike Richards' team and Jeff Zimmerman's team and Randy Haynes' team and plug them in to see like how they're expected to do. And then I, it actually kind of deflated me because I'm like, oh, I can't, even if my guys do well, I'm not going to pass them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I stopped doing that. <laughs> this is giving me no hope. I'm not doing it to myself. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes down to that, you're, you really, you have to figure out as much as you can, right? You know, it's just, yeah. um, and I think, you know, when, especially if there's a lot of money on the line in a, in a fab league or a draft champions, like a main event, um, you know, there's probably a lot of players at the top who are really just trying to figure out every single, you know, thing of what would happen. Like, are we rooting for Liam Hendricks saves? Are we not, you know, like just, 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 just anything, anything that can give you like an idea of how much you're going to move in the overall standings. Um, but it, that's, um, so you've been in the race, like you're, you're up there. What, what's your, what has helped you the most get there? Has it been your drafting or has it been your in-season play um and also to what what's your um so i know you mentioned you have a rest of the season sheet too so are you always looking for the best rest of season value or are you kind of like a streamer type too that you're finding like max players in a week and stuff like that i i i don't subscribe to rasball um their player raider and, and their uh, hit a tron and all that i probably should because it'll save me a lot of time i'm sure um so in 2021, when I finished second in the overall to uh, Tanner Bell, I, I should have won the overall because I, I didn't think I had a chance. And so I was just hoping to win my league and I made terrible decisions. Like uh, there was one, one week um, in August, like Alex Wood and Matt Barnes both got COVID 
and I just kept them in my, um, I, I didn't bother dropping them, didn't bother replacing them. I looked at my league standings and said, I, I'm not going to lose. Like, I don't need to replace them. I can just keep them. And I just, oh, took, yeah, the, yeah. I just took the zero without thinking, well, if I had, you know, six more strikeouts, I would have won the overall or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> because I didn't think, I mean, it's my own, my own mistake because I didn't think I had a chance. And so I didn't, um, I didn't, and I didn't play for it. So I, I, I kick myself for that. So I wanted to not have that happen this year. So I was playing week to week. I was trying to maximize um, week to week. And I, I think it actually kind of hurt me because I know, I know these leagues are, it's like a weekly, I mean, you, you can look at it and frame it as being a weekly league, but it's also, it's, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to drop Giancarlo Stanton this one week to pick up someone who's actually going to play four games. Obviously this is going to be a stupid example um, because next week now I don't have Stanton and Stanton will be better than this guy. And I, I can't count on me, Dylan, to always have, be able to maximize and optimize and find someone who's going to be a better choice. So it's like in that example, it really, it's two weeks to two weeks and then it's three weeks to three weeks. So it's like, what's the best collection of weeks is what i what i'm trying Mm. to trying to accomplish if that makes sense so i because i draft in a way where like i want a bench replacement player who i think is useful um if someone gets injured i it's hard for me to drop someone because i kind of i've sculpted my roster to be like um i don't know how to explain it i don't i don't have like uh, a, a position that I just churn and I can always plug in. I mean, I do, but I don't have two, I guess. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So I've, I'm loath to drop someone like Randall Gritchick, who I keep saying, um, because he <laughs> will be useful in the weeks where they're playing in course and right. he will be valuable. I don't want to lose him and then not be able to get him back. Um, but this is what I'm talking about now, because I did, I dropped Stephen Kwan, I dropped Clay Holmes, I dropped all these players last year in TGFBI because I was trying to maximize that week. And, mm-hmm. and uh, like I, I dropped Stephen Kwan for Asteria Ruiz, thinking I just, if I can get this stolen base possible um, uh, mother load, that will like really help me. And that's my only chance to like catch up to the guys in the overall. Um, I think it, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, it went against my, my style of play. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to look at it this year as maybe not go so much on the churning and the dropping and trying to maximize um, and, and just kind of stick with who I think are, are good. And only if it's like they're out for a long time and it's clearly a mistake to hold them on the, on my roster, then, then I drop them. Like I'm not, I don't want to try to get that razor thin, thing of dropping that one guy to get you know two percent better for the week with the risk that it's you know a 50 percent drop if i if i chose wrong if that makes any sense no no that that does that makes sense it because you know you really have to kind of know a little bit ahead of time if you're going to be using this player from like a week or two or three and yeah like yeah. you said you can make that wrong drop or try to get too cute you know i definitely happened a lot this year where and um i think early in the season two um i made a mistake with tyro Estrada. um i just thought when early in the season when he got hot you know plus he's a vegetarian i'm like it's my guy and um (laughs) and uh but then like they started to get healthy 
the Giants, you know, and I anticipated him part-timing and dropped him before I even saw if he was part-timing. Terrible drop. And he just, nope, he didn't sit. He did not, he did not part-time like I thought he was going to do. And uh, that was just a mistake. And that's more just, uh, yeah, I was trying to maximize too early as well. I could have definitely just held them on my bench just to see that happen. And what was it? I thought it was, uh, I thought I was smarter than uh, what happened. And well, I mean, I think the, the thought ass. process is right, though, right? Like if he is going to be part time, then that's the right time. You don't want to have missed out on the player you should have taken because you, you waited a week and now someone grabbed that, that second baseman or whatever that you would have taken instead. So I think the thought process is right. Like I dropped, I had Clay Holmes mm-hmm. and um, a role this had a good outing. And Mark Melanson got blown up again. And so Joe Mantiply or whatever, however you pronounce his name, he had a, a better like K raid and swinging strike raid and O yep. swing and all that than, than Clay Holmes. And so I'm like, I said, I'm going to drop Clay Holmes because the role is going to be back and Melanson is not going to hold on to the role. And obviously that was a mistake. That was really early in the season too. Um, and I think the thought process is right. I think that like I, we're doing the right things there. We're trying to say who is more likely to be the closer for the rest of the season and, and taking into account skills, taking into account opportunity, taking into account manager tendencies. Like I did not think the Yankees would not want to roll this available and doing well as their closer by the end of the season. turns out they, they don't care, but uh, all these things are going into the, the, the decision-making. And I, I like that one. I don't, in, in hindsight, it was a terrible job, but I think the, the process was right. I think your Tyro Estrada process is right. So I wouldn't beat yourself up too much, but I mean, these are the things that we struggle with. And this is why yep. I can't handle a, like a main event because it's like, if I'm doing this on a TGFBI league that has no money, then like, what am, what's going to happen when there's. What's going to happen with me? Yeah. That's a great question. I ask on Sunday nights Well, I'm like, what is happening to me? You know, my head just spins around and around and yeah. Oh man. Just these decisions that we're trying to make in our head over some players is like this, is this guy, you know, and the worst is like, after you do all the work and the fab runs and you look at it and you're like, great. I just, just four hours to get stone Garrett for three bucks. Awesome. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, what did I do? Like, what, sure. what is this? <laughs> what is this life? <laughs> uh, 100%. Yes. And you I, know? I'm only in five leagues. Like I only played five leagues in total. And it's like the amount of time I spent agonizing over this, the minutia. It's like, I don't know. I couldn't do 10 leagues. I couldn't do high stakes leagues. I mean, maybe I could, but it's just. You could. You have a lot going on in your process and the stuff that you have set up to guide you. I think you, it, that that's exactly what the, what you need right now, you know? Um, and I think you have it. So I think you should get involved. For sure. The world wants to see it. <laughs> um, so I want to hit on some redraft prospects for, I know you don't play draft and hold leagues, but obviously right now that's the biggest thing for um, the NFBC, the draft champions, 50 round draft and hold the gladiator, the new format um, that is 23, you know, you starting team and that's it. And then um, so obviously there's, there's, there's a lot less, you know, prospect hunting there. And also the NFBC fifties, which is a draft champion, but with 12 teams instead of 15 teams. Um, 
So I was like just looking at some ADP from the early drafts last year compared to the early drafts this year. And it just seems like this year there's a lot more of push for prospects. Not not so much like, oh, they're all they're all going earlier, but um it seems like there's a lot more of later um darts being thrown on prospects versus you know like the uh the Cesar Hernandez's of the world you know where you you'll get 500 you know empty plate appearances um so I don't know um it just seems like a lot a lot of guys like um Ricky Tiedemann on the Blue Jays you know I think he's 19 only right and he's been drafted in like 85 percent of leagues already um just guys like Jordan Lawler pretty much going in every single draft and even like some lower end guys that I guess maybe people just realize that, you know, they have a path to playing time, but like Connor Norby on the Orioles, he just seems like last year where these, these players might've been more like, okay, like I'll wait until this round to take them now, like in round 40, 42, um, you know, I'm on my seat to like, make sure I get a, a shot at them because they're, they're going earlier and they're more, going more consistently. So I guess that's kind of playing to what we're saying about the younger kids that are, you know, kind of being a little more ready to play. And it's, it's, it's taken a hold, you know, in this, um, I don't know, have you had a chance to look at some ADP and kind of like maybe see that if that's, if that's something that you've know like can pick up. Yeah, I, I did look at, at the ADPs here and uh, yeah, I mean, there are some, some ones that are curious. I think, I think we got spoiled last year, like Bobby Witt and O'Neill Cruz and like all these guys, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rushman, they all, and Julio, of course, they mm-hmm. all just like blew projections out of the water. Michael Harris, Von Grissom, all these guys performed extraordinarily well. So I think, I think we as humans are terrible at, we over adjust and we, with the recency bias as like, this is what's going to happen. So I don't want to miss out on the Julio and I don't want to miss out on the Michael Harris. And so, I, I can't, I, I'm going to push up all these guys, these spec prospects. So I think that's what we're doing here. That, or at least that's what I'm worried. We as a, as a collective are doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I look at these picks here and I see some, like some guys aren't on the 40 man, which is, it's not the end of the world, but like there are going to be people ahead of them uh, on the, on the depth chart likely. So right. like, Connor Norby, Colton Kowser, they're not on the 40 man, but I think like Joey Ortiz is. And so I think he would be more likely to get the playing time before these guys. Um, not that they can't leapfrog him. Um, obviously that, that is possible. Um, but I just, I, I think it's just too risky to, to, to make that pick. Um, but I look at, I look at uh, the steamer 600, like Zach Veen, who I don't think is going to make it to the majors this year, or if he does, it's maybe a hundred at bats or something. He, he has a, a steamer 600, according to my, my thing of 14 bucks. So he's actually pretty valuable if he, if he makes it up, but I don't think he's going to make it up. <laughs> right. So I don't, I don't know if I would waste a quote unquote waste a, a selection on him. So I don't know if I answer your question. No, no, I think I think you did, and I think talking about the forty man is 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 definitely right thing to do. Um, 
probably something I don't do enough, admittedly. But it's funny because you mentioned Joey Ortiz, but he was just in James Anderson's uh, new article on Rotowire. And um, he actually has been the only person to pick him in draft champions this year. Yeah, so he's that. That's a good call out right there for sure because uh, you have to know those things, you know. Um, it definitely helps. Um, but yeah, like you know, I I was looking back even as far back as uh, like 2000, um, 2021, like you know, draft champions, and it's so it's so funny because you see like Spencer Torgerson was the number one pick, and he got picked in like every single draft champion, and it was late. It was like ADP of five sixty, but you know, there's no one got in a bat of him that year. Like every every team picked him, and no one got in that bat of him this year. And like and like you said, last year we had so much of that success. And yeah, are we are we overreacting? You know, I feel like we definitely intend to um, collectively. And once that once the group think goes out there, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's just been a lot of like you know. I know obviously these players are, are really talented, but you know, the, the Jordan walkers and going at two sixty and um, Volpe at three eighty. Uh, these guys haven't played in a bat yet. And not that they're going like Walker is going next to some guys who could still put up some decent, you know, pretty good numbers. It's just, for me, it's that's su- such a hard thing to still go to where you don't have fab, you know, I'm more like I try to wait a little later to, take these stabs on the rookies i i'm totally the same way i so pre tgfbi draft last year doing that whole process i'm talking about where i look at what steamer saying and what their like rate stat projections saying and then um where their adp is and then try to find the the, the best values the three guys that were just like steamer was like over the moon compared to adp was say suzuki of course mm-hmm. bobby witt and o'neill cruz and I could not, I could not abide like sculpting my draft around taking those three guys because it's just way too much risk. If Bobby Witt doesn't start on the major league roster, if O'Neill yep. Cruz struggles, etc. So I ended up getting none of them, even though it was telling me I should have. Um, and then now, because they obviously all three of them kind of basically did did well, um, I think everyone's making that shit that 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 push so jordan walker is he according to my my spreadsheet is as the three dollar player with the 423 at bats or whatever um and a nine dollar player if he gets 600 and i mean that's fine if he does that but what are the chances he's going to do that i think it's just it's not worth it it's not worth spending that that draft capital on the chance that he's going to do what the projections say. Of course, there's a chance he can outdo them, but I just think we're overreacting. So I would not end up getting Jordan Walker there. Exactly like you're saying. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I have, I, I tip my cap because obviously I, I draft with people that I know that I respect as yeah. players and, um, and they take them and I just, that's their style. You know, that's, um, and that could even be um, a thing born out of diversity too, where they're drafting a lot of teams and, you know, this is the one shot they take with, but Rich Jordan Walker, you know, um, they just feel like there's so many guys in the team too, right. They, as good as he is. Cause that's like one of the questions like w- about Nolan Gorman, like 
just a play like that, is he is he someone that's gonna play enough? Is he good enough to keep playing on the Cardinals, or do they have enough like stuff coming through the ranks that could push a player like? Not that he's great, just he was a he's a guy like that kind of popped up um, a lot when um, I'm just looking at ADP and seeing like where I could attack certain certain um, positions, and you know he's. He's a guy like for like middle infield and for power that you can grab really late. So, uh, but will he play enough? You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, and exactly. So those are the guys that I will I will tend to ignore. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to rely on Nolan Gorman getting you know 500 plate appearances and hitting 30 home runs. If I am, then I, I've blown it, and in my opinion, on my on my draft, mm-hmm. I want to take Nolan Gorman. Where if he does do that that's icing on the cake. So it would be a thing where maybe I had uh, a second baseman that I'm, I'm a bit worried about maybe getting injured. Maybe that's what I take Nolan Gorman as my, my second middle infielder, but I, right. I don't want to rely on like me personally, because I don't play that many leagues. So it's all kind of all or nothing on my draft and, and my team that I don't want to take the risk on something becoming a zero. Um, and I don't want to have to rely on that person hitting their projection for me to, for me to compete. So it's those guys is who I end up not end up not taking. So I, I may miss out on it, but you know, I think that I'll, I'll have created enough of a baseline with my other picks that it's like, it doesn't hurt me. But I mean, I say that, but I nope. missed out on Spencer Strider for the same reason. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah. because I'm like, well, I don't need them quote unquote. And I'll, I'll take the hit if they end up becoming <laughs> Spencer Strider. Um, but in, in hindsight, maybe I should have taken it. So maybe it's not the right strategy, but that's just the way I play. I just, I can't, I, I can't go into the, the season thinking, yeah, Nolan Gorman, I just need him to get 500 plate appearances. Then I'm in good shape because I just, that makes me too uncomfortable. Right. Right. It, it's interesting too, though, too, because um in like full-time playing time just really drops off in, um, that's what I've noticed. I think a lot of people have been talking about it and it's, Again, where when where a guy like Nolan Gorman goes is just a bunch of other possible playing time risk, you know. Yeah. Um, and like next to guys like you know Elvis Andrews and um, you know Wilmer Flores, uh, it's, it's just it's just an interesting spot. Um, but playing time is definitely getting harder to get later on in the draft, which I think is why maybe another reason why people are pivoting to. <laughs> the prospects just thinking like I'd rather take a shot at a home run of this upside pick rather than, you know, try to scramble with a bunch of, um, you know, middling stats from a position player who doesn't play all the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think in the Nolan Gorman example, like I think the Cardinals were worried about his defense and so they, and they're in a pennant race. And so they're not playing him as much as we would hope. Um, so I think a smart way to do it, and I haven't done this, um, is like maybe look at the like war projection um, per plate appearance for each of these guys. And because I think all things being equal, the guy who's expected to give the m- most war per game is going to be have the higher chance of being played by the major league team. I, I'm not talking anything insightful here, but like that's just a good tiebreaker on like, do you think, Nolan Gorman is going to have a better shot than Will Benson in the Cleveland outfield or Will Brennan, like who's going to have the better chance of sticking with the major league club. Um, 
who has the best shot going in would be the guy, in my opinion, with the highest war projection per game because his defense is there and all the other things that he brings uh, value to the, the major league club. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. All I'm doing is making a list of all these things I have to now add to a spreadsheet or look at. So <laughs> fantastic. Um, uh, see another guy I want to ask you about what's your thoughts on Riley green? Um, obviously got some everyday PT is leading off. Um, but is he just going to be like an accumulator type, like an Alex Verdugo or can we, is there more for him in store? That's a great question. Um, so I, I saw this in the agenda and so I looked into it. So I, I, this is, this is the process I did. So I looked at his steam rejection. It looks like $7 player, um, 13 home runs, six stolen bases. I think I don't have it in front of me. So it's like, okay, blah, not that great. So then I looked at, um, his minor league stats from last year and then sort of applying the curves to see what it would have said he would be in 2023. And it was not good. And then 2021, I did the same thing. What would his 2021 data have suggested he would do in 2023 in the majors? And it was, it was fine. And so I'm like, okay, I'm off Riley Green. But then I looked in the stat cast. So my other thing, and I looked at how he did. So what I do with the hitters for stat cast is I look at how they do against pitches, each different pitch. And oh, okay. I, Nice. So it's not just this is his ex woba. This is his ex woba against fastballs. This is ex woba against sliders. This is ex woba against changeups. Um, and then I compare his like his contact rate, his exit velocity, is all that against the league for that pitch. So like I look at Riley Green, who had I have it in front of me here, seventy six point five percent contact rate against. The four seamer. He had an X Woba, you know, 0.737. He had a barrel rate of 14.8%. So then I compare like that barrel rate against how the league did against four seamers. And I get Z scores and relative weights, etc. And he actually did really well. He he is good against fastball sliders, sinkers, and changeups at like according to my my metric at like 120 like his stuff plus the equivalent of of stuff plus for, for hitters he okay. is like over 120 for all four of those things which kind of blew my mind he's terrible against curveballs though he's at like 66 in my in my metric so um what i've been looking at is how how predictive that is and it actually looks pretty good from what I've seen. So someone who's good above average on a bunch of different pitches, like Jordan Alvarez is like incredible against every single pitch. Um, Freddie Freeman is incredible against every single pitch. Bryce Harper is incredible against every single pitch. Like that, that makes sense to me that these are like, you can't get them out with just throwing them junk because he, he he'll, he'll hammer everything. Um, so that actually <laughs> pulled me back into Riley green. I was like, he's, he's just an average, like you said, Alex Verdugo accumulator type. Um, but I'm actually, I see a lot under the hood here that I like. So I, that was, so I guess my conclusion is I will take the, the steamer projection as what I think he will do. And with the possibility he'll do better. So I will draft him as a $7 outfielder with the knowing that he may do better, but I'm not going to draft him as a $10 outfielder because I'm, I'm not going to assume he's going to do better. If that makes any sense. It does. It does. I, that's uh, a nice little um, pitching uh, based uh, type of Z score thing you got there. You should throw that on prospects live too. It's not prospects, but you know, 
We need more tools, Dylan. That's um no, that that's great. I didn't know that. I mean, you kind of see that by like a little bit by watching him. He just seems like a good balance to do, but it mm-hmm. you know, when you could pull it up and 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 see that, that's that's huge. Um, you know, obviously I think his park holds him back just a little bit, you know. Um I think they have the worst um home runs per barrels uh out of any MLB park. Um and he he actually uh actually suffered from that like especially in the second half. I think in the second half of the season he had 15 barrels to three homers. That's uh 20%. The league average was uh, about 58. So again, you don't know how much that is for park obviously until you look at what the park is and how much maybe he can, you know, muscle out a little more as he gets a little older. Uh, but he's, he's just an intriguing guy. He's just, like I said, um, you know, I kind of look at the fact that he let off. He didn't, you know, sit versus lefties. Anyway. And he also didn't move versus lefties, you know, like some guys will bat lead off versus righties and then there's a lefty and they'll bat seventh, you know, and there wasn't mm-hmm. much of that going on with him. So, Gonna be an interesting guy this year, but um, I think I'm gonna give him a little boost up now with your uh, tidbits. I should have put more players in this list. Um, I did. I, I did the same thing with Nolan Gorman actually, and uh, I thought that Nolan Gorman had like bigger splits or like was worse against like certain type of pitches or whatever. But he actually looks pretty solid too. Like his, he had an 18% barrel rate against four seamers, at 19% against sliders uh 14% against changeups like he had a lot of like he was barreling up a lot of things his contact quality on each pitch was very high his his contact was low right. um uh but overall like if you if you correlate like woba against contact quality and contact like the contact quality is like four times as important as the contact um so I guess what I'm saying is if you took a Z score of, of contact and you took a Z score of uh, barrel rate or exit velocities, um, and then you, instead of just adding them together, you, you should weight the contact quality like four times higher than the contact. Um, so using that metric that even with the terrible contact that he had, like 66% contact against fastballs and 64% against changeups, 60 hit sliders, he still overall was a positive uh, hitting value uh, for a major league club because of the contact quality he had. So I guess what I'm trying to say is he, he does look interesting. He does, he does have so much power in the bat. I think it's just a matter of, of, getting the contact and improving on that. Like it's against all pitches. Like he's, he's doesn't have really a, a huge weakness here. It seems. So I I'm, I'm pretty optimistic on Nolan Gorman long-term. All right, good. Now I don't feel so bad about my uh, ADP uh, 400 pick of him uh, <laughs> as uh as just a little uh, middle infielder. I hope hold off of that for um you're ready think- for the you're ready for the main event, Dylan. Just 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 <laughs> just, just just get in there. Um what's your thoughts on um Pete Crow Armstrong? He's one of the only guys. Um, I guess it's just a matter of when you think he's gonna get called up, but they do have a little hole in center field. I don't know if they try to fill it with a Bellinger or Kevin Kiermaier type, but you know, I think he's the one of the only like top five. He, I think he's the highest prospect ranked um, that 
hasn't been drafted yet in any DC. It's you think that's just because of his ETA of when he's coming up? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, his steamer projection isn't very good either. Like it's yeah. 230 batting average, like 83 WRC plus. Um, I think the Cubs are gonna sign somebody um to play outfield. So I don't think PCA is gonna have that much playing time this year. Like I think Brendan Davis is ahead of them on the on the depth chart too. Mm-hmm. They still kind of like morale. Um say Suzuki, Ian Happ's still on the team right now. And I know they are, like you said, they're 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 checking in on Bellinger. So I think I think Picro, I'm sorry, this year I don't think it's 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 gonna do anything of value. How do you like his prospects for um Dynasty? I think he's good. Like if you he is very young. So like if you do that, those curves that I'm talking about, he like he's gonna peak um and be positive value, according to my my stupid metric. Um over his over his career for sure so he's someone who he's he's not someone that we're hoping is going to blossom like he's he's right on path to to be productive and because of his defense he's a great center fielder he's going to get the playing time um once he's in the majors so i i I think he's a good he's a good guy to take all right you have any late round dc picks that you want to give I know you don't play draft and hold, but if you got to kind of peek at the ADP, is there anyone that kind of stand out? Say hey, this guy might not only get at bats, but he might do something if he gets, if he gets with it, or pitches too. So I, I, I basically what I did is I just looked at the, the player pool, and then I tried to look at who had a high steamer six hundred, um, uh, dollar value, I guess. So it's like if they get playing time, they're going to be positive value, and. Um, so I haven't really dug into it too much, but I, some guys stuck out to me. So I had like Eggy Rosario on, uh, on San Diego actually, uh, actually shows up as someone who, who could be positive value. Um, mm-hmm. I think roster resource has him at second base right now, which I don't think is going to happen, but, um, like, I don't think they can go into the season having him get 400 play appearances, uh, or plan on them, him getting 400 play appearances, um. So I liked him. Like Samad Taylor always shows up too on on Kansas City because of his stolen bases that he yeah. uh, on a per per game basis is going to be someone valuable. I, they have a lot of mouths to feed in Kansas City, so I don't know if that's a good pick or not. But he's popping up as someone who, if he's playing, will do well. And then Yaner Diaz on the Astros, his uh, depth chart uh, uh, roster resource has him playing a lot of first base too. Hmm. Um, so his steamer 600 is actually 600 play prints instead of 450. Like they usually do 450 for catchers because they're not going to be expected to get more than that. But if he's playing first base or DHing, um, he could get more plate appearances than expected. And I know Houston from, from the, my prospects live uh, connections or whatever. I know Houston really views him as the, as the catcher of the future. So I think they're, that's someone that they're going to want to, to, uh, to, to play and, and, and bring along properly, but he, his, his steamer projection uh, per plate appearance or whatever is like, he's like a $12 uh, catcher. Uh, wow. Your DS. So if he gets 250 plate appearances or whatever, he, he's like, uh, he's in the top 30 of, of catchers for sure. He's in like in the top 20. So that's someone I like. I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't even see him on your list here of guys being taken. So that may be a, a good, late round steal there maybe yeah actually um 
I think I only searched um, the the top prospects. I didn't go too far past uh-huh. uh, may, maybe like the top 40, top 50. Um, so I actually don't even know if he has been drafted. I could check right now, though. I'm probably... Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's Alexis. No, Yandi, no. Elias, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, thirty yeah. fourth round. I see him here. Yep, yeah, he's uh he's up there, drafted in all but one of the twenty teams. So yeah, five eighty four, min of four hundred three. I guess too, he looks like he's only UT only at the moment. That's interesting. Hmm. Um, he had he had MLB at bat this year. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I guess he didn't play at all at catcher, and that's why he's not catcher eligible yet. Huh. Interesting. All right, so that's some pretty good names. Is there anyone who's too high on this list that you think is at risk for maybe not even getting a shot to play? I think Tiedemann, you mentioned him. Like I don't, he's not on the forty man. They 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 had to protect uh, Zulueta because um, he was Rule Five eligible, and so. I think that just naturally puts him ahead of Tiedemann on the depth chart um, for the Jays. I think, I mean, he may come up, but I don't think they're going to like count on him to be in the rotation because they're, they're playoff bound. I think they'd, they'd ease him in, in the bullpen, which may be good because you know, his, his rate stats will be good. Um, But I just think it's too, it's too risky to take, to take Tiedemann. Um, Who else we got here? I got, uh, yeah, Andrew Painter, I think, is a bit risky. I yeah, know he's like his peak's going to be great, but he's he's only twenty or whatever. And Philly is same thing. Like they're 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 not. I don't think they're going to rely on Andrew Painter to be in their rotation um, when they try to make another World Series push. I think they want him to be in their future plans for sure, and but they don't want to to uh, you know stress him out. <laughs> I saw him. Than- yeah, I saw him um, in Lakewood this year. Uh, Pretty close to my house, where the where the Phillies have their the Blue Claws affiliate. Um, yeah, he's pretty pretty dynamite. All their pitchers yeah. are really pretty good. And last year, you know, last year I I I, I saw Stott and Ohapi a bunch, and um, it was cool seeing them. You know, make that next step and get into the. It's you know, I'm a Met fan, but it's like such it's so close for me to go watch. That's my pug. She just, uh, it's dinner time, but they're going to wait. Um, we got Dylan on the pod and we're not, we're not letting them go so easily. Um, but let me talk to you real quick about some of the new major league stuff. Um, you know, the shift power, stolen bases, uh, pitch clock, all this fun stuff, like base size. Um, what, what are you maybe giving more value to, I guess, to what you think might, impact player performance the most i think the shift is uh one that's i think it's not easy but it's easier than figuring out like what the pitch clock's gonna do um absolutely so i think i haven't really dug into it i know i know jordan um did some rotoballer article on who like who pulls ground balls so they are more likely to you know, have a higher BABIP now. Um, mm-hmm. So I haven't dug into that to make those adjustments yet, but I think I, because um, X batting average, expected batting average doesn't consider like the spray 
angle. Like I think maybe um, like one of the dangers of, of looking at X batting average compared to batting average and just saying, oh, this guy should have had a higher batting average than I'm taking him is because of the shift. And now with that gone, I think those two will converge more, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep, so yep. like an X batting average may actually be a better predictor of batting average than it has been in the past because the shift is gone. And um, I, I, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, yep. No. I do. And then stolen bases, I I, uh, I haven't looked into that yet either, too. But I think I think when they did the like the rabbit ball year and they said like which pit, which hitters will like benefit from adding an extra whatever twelve feet onto their fly ball distance, I think it'll be kind of similar. I think if if you look at um, like speed or sprint speed and then uh, com- correlate that with like stolen base attempts per plate appearance or something, like I think people may more people who are on the like the cusp of not running as much will run more. It's, it's just like mm-hmm. that sweet spot. Right. Um, they may increase, but it's like, it's, it's so much like just uh, splitting hairs and, and analysis. Like, I don't know how much, how significant it's going to be. Like, I don't know if it's worth <laughs> spending the time on figuring uh, out like. I'm trying to plays. like predict yeah. it. Yeah. 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 It's like if, if the bases are four and a half inches closer, then like everyone's going to have a better stolen base, right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. That's the, the easy Bump everyone thing up. for me. Yeah. Right, right. So, so you're thinking I mean, like those guys who like maybe steal like five, six, seven bases kind of will make that jump a little more yeah. than someone who already has 20, 22 stolen bases or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, but maybe that's maybe that's completely wrong. Maybe that's absolutely wrong. Maybe it's like the guys who steal five bases will now steal 15 because it's so much easier. And the guys who stole 20 are just going to be at 22 because like they're not getting that much of an advantage from what they already had. And so it actually, it's a huge effect. Like right. maybe that, that actually is what happens. I don't know yet. I'll, I'll have to look into it. I'll get back to you for my second appearance. <laughs> I'll come back with my findings. <laughs> I think like too, with the shift, a lot of, um, I've been trying to look at what players like heavily shifted against batter, like Corey Seager gets shifted against like nine, you know, 99% of the time. You can't do this, but maybe someone who shifted like 70% of the time also look at what they're doing when it, they haven't been shifted, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a lot of my brain does that. Like, well, why would I look at the expected average when they're shifted when there's data available for when they're not shifted? You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So much to look at. And obviously, like you said, there's going to be people out there who are figuring this out and they'll they'll help guide us to their best decision about that. Um, what do you think about, like, psychologically – um, like a big lefty who sees three guys on the right side of the infield and who's just like, I'm just going to hit it over their heads. Now, when there's not that other guy, psychologically, like, is it just more, is it less of I'm swinging for the fences and just, just get a good rip on it and like maybe less power from those guys? I don't know. I'm trying to think on a, like playing it wise and what you see as a, as a player, you know? Yeah, I, I think, that's definitely possible. I think that's definitely true. You see the three guys on the side and see like, I got to have to hit as, as hard as I can to get it through there or whatever. Yeah. And um, and like I was listening to Ian Happ on his compound um, pod and he was like, it's not only about hitting hard, you have to like top spin it. If you want to hit, you have to like change your bat angle to top spin a ball. So 
it like goes over and then it just drops in the outfield, you know, to a spot where there's nobody, even if it's right. down the line, it's just, it's different, you know, it's difficult. Yeah. I, I think for sure there's a change <laughs> yeah. that, that is there. I just don't know how actionable it is for us. Right. You and I, right. like, I don't know, like, are we now taking in half because he doesn't have to do that anymore or, or should we, is he in a hat because he knows what the trick is? Maybe he's the right guy, and like it's not going to change anything. Like who knows, right? It's yeah, like can... who knows? That's why I like 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 listening to these pods when like there's some major league players who are talking about the psychology of the game, you know, or just what they're feeling when they're playing or what they see in the clubhouse. It's cool. I, it's cool that we can hear that kind of stuff because it's a good, like I said, it's a good divergence from uh, looking at you know, projections and stat cast and uh, for sure. Yeah. So let's finish this pot off with a couple of ADP battles right now. Draft champions ADP at third base. We're looking at Cabrian Hayes at 149, Eugenio Suarez at 153, Max Muncy 154, Jose Miranda 162, and Matt Chapman 164. You're probably going to take the Blue Jay here, but, um, <laughs> but who, who, who do you like or and you know maybe dislike out of this group here for uh 2023? I I looked at these names and I'm like, hmm, these are all tough. And so I I looked at a variety of sources like I like I said I've been doing. Um and I so this one thing I want to talk about actually. Um in season, I I have I take like the last 30 days from fan graphs, I plug it in, and I get like I have these correlations I've done in the past of like expected WRC plus based on other things like barrel rate and slugging percentage, stuff like that. Um, and I use that in for my in-season moves uh, to be another input into who I think is going to do well. So I, I looked at these, these, these guys, Muncie Chapman, Miranda, Suarez, Hayes, and I plugged it in to see what my in-season thing would have said who I should take. And the number one guy actually is Max Muncie. Mm-hmm. Um, I give him a, I, I scale it to like the stuff plus scale. So I have him as a one Oh six and then, uh, but then Chapman, Miranda Suarez are all one Oh four, one Oh two, one Oh two. Like they're all basically the same. So, um, according to that, there's no difference really of who, who to take. So I think it depends on, on your roster construction. If you, if you need batting average, I'd go Miranda. I think if you need power, I'd go Chapman or Suarez, but, I'm worried more of Suarez's batting average than Chapman's. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Muncie. Muncie, so like Muncie, Chapman, Suarez are all kind of the same. If you want power, but you, and you can take the hit batting average, I would take them. But if I was worried about batting average, which I usually am when I'm drafting, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'd probably take Jose Miranda. <laughs> yeah, no, batting average is definitely a thing. And like you said, you know, that team construction, if you just, maybe you can afford to just slap on a power hitter and you take a Suarez and Muncie or maybe want a little bit of multi-eligibility from Miranda or Muncie um, that's available too. But yeah, it seems like Muncie just um, just got healthy, right? You know, I think yeah. I was even looking at his vertical bat angle totally changed across the every month of the season, you know? So he went from being really flat to just starting to get a little more loft and it just you know, just getting a little more healthy after not getting a surgery, but rehabbing the, you know, the torn tendon. And, um, you know, I think, I think there's a sweet spot for him between like last year and his big 36 home run season, you know, I think it's still, he's still got, and like in his power 
starved, you know, environment that is fantasy now. He's he's uh I think he still stays relevant in um it, it's definitely an interesting mix, you know, because uh Brian Hayes can you know he'll get 20, you know, 20 stolen bases, but he just pounds the ball into the ground. I still think that there's some room for him to you know get a little better in that regard. Um, but yeah, a lot of different options here. It's just, it's fun. This is like what you know, when I'm not drafting or just looking at player stats, it's just fun to just look at these groups because I feel like these are the, the like I just go by the decisions I'm having to make, you know, when I try to plan ahead. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I don't get like Bregman or Gunnar Henderson at like after 90, I'm waiting. So when I wait, who am I getting, you know? And um, same thing with first base is a good cluster at the, at the same amount at like 150, 160. That's like Mount Castle and Rizzo and Christian Walker. You know, I just think when you come up to spots like this, you got to know which way you're going to lean unless you're just yeah. doing, you know, a lot of teams and you just take a different guy every time, <laughs> you know, which uh, some people do, you know, um, but definitely an interesting group right there. All right, let's go to starting pitching. Um George Kirby at 103, Kyle Wright at 107, Logan Webb at 109, Logan Gilbert 114, um, Luis Severino 114, Hunter Green 116, Nestor Cortez 116, and Freddie Peralta taking a deep dive from last year to this year to 118. Anyone here stand out to you? I, yeah, I'm worried about Peralta um, injury wise. I'm worried about Kyle Wright. Um, just because he hasn't had the track record. Um, so I, I like each one has their own concern. Like Nestor Cortez is great, but he kind of had the stuff at the end of the season that's kind of concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis Severino can be a stud. And like, but how many innings is he going to throw? Hunter Green <laughs> doesn't have a track record. George Kirby doesn't have a track record. Um, I think so. I, I again, I defer to my my spreadsheet that I I do in season, and I plugged in last year's full season to see who who tops out the most, and it kind of blends with the uh, projections. And because I, I I don't know who to pick here, and it's got Hunter Green at the top. Um, that's with 168 innings projected, which I think is too high. Um, so if I plug in, I don't know, 140, and see what happens. He you think drops. 168 is too high? He he just hit 140 right this year. Did he? I think it was. Um, I'll look that up real quick. Go back so, ahead, sorry. Can... so that's not bad. One sixty-eight. Maybe that is reasonable. Um, yeah, he only dropped a second, and second is Nestor Cortez right now. So it has Green and Cortez one and two, and Webb, Logan Webb, and Logan Gilbert as the bottom two actually. Um, but that's only on based on twenty twenty-two stats. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, take previous years as well and, and do the sort of discount rate um gotcha. but i just thought as a like this is what i use in season like so i take like how they're doing and i plug it in and see who, who would be expected to do better than someone else maybe um mm-hmm. and that's what that's showing so i that's how who i would pick if this was a fab week in june and uh who am i going to take for the rest of the season i would it looks like i would take hunter green well i mean yeah he was he did he had, he had 132 innings Pretty good, but in the second, in the second half, he was, you know, when he came back from his injury, and which was something that I really liked too, is like they didn't shut him down, mm-hmm. and they had nothing to play for, you know. But he came back, 
and he pumped out some innings, you know, at like post injury. And I kind of like that, you know, I, I, I kind of like that little, uh, you know, they weren't trying to protect him, but in those 50, you know, 35 second half innings, he 36% K rate, you know, 2.3 Sierra. He was first pitch strike was better. His swing strike. I just think that fastball, he just, it's just all about that location on his fastball, but he just seemed pretty filthy. Again, it's the bad park and the bad team for wins yeah. per se that really hold him back. But, you know, obviously team build, if you have, uh, I don't know, if you have Garrett Cole and Zach Wheeler and, you know, you take him who can be like them, you know, if he hits his marks, uh, could be pretty devastating for your team. Obviously, I don't take him, I think, as like my SP1 or SP2. But if you could fill him in um, and he does take another level, um, yeah, he's pretty interesting. I think I would take – I think I'm leaning him or Gilbert out of that group too. Um, Peralta I want to believe in, in his skills and everything. I do, but he just – he's hurt a lot. And Severino had a good run last year where he looked definitely healthy and definitely like the old him. Um yeah. So, so what is th- this area? This one hundred three to one eighteen. Is that like an SP two? Is that or is that like an SP three? I mean, it could be SP two. You know, definitely can. I think if if you're comfortable, I think I think I would be comfortable with maybe Gilbert as an SP two. Um, I think they can be. I think too. Like if you're gonna make them your SP two, maybe your three and four should be the next two picks. You know, and really yeah, get yeah. like some more depth after that. That's kind of like how I would look at a draft if I were to, you know, lay lay down on pitching for a little bit. I would definitely want to get a good string of three or four of them in a row in this starting in this area, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I'm just trying to think like if I if, if if this was if I already have Cole and Wheeler, like maybe I'd take a shot at someone like like the Hunter Green or whatever or Peralta yep. even because even if he yeah. is injured. It doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt me that much. Exactly. Uh, but, but if he's my number two, if I have Gossman as my as my SP one, and now I have to pick one of these guys as my two, then I I would want quote unquote safety more. I guess. I have a lot of Gaussman as SP one so far. Well, I love Gaussman this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a I have a lot, and he's gladiator drafts. He's like because um, the pitching is kind of like getting knocked down a little bit everyone's in a rush to get their bats he's going in the fifth round and i'll take him in the fifth round every single time he's there without a doubt (laughs) um but yeah dylan that was awesome man i really enjoyed talking to you i'm sorry i took up so much of your day but it's usually uh i i know when people probably get my nose to like are we going to talk this long but um it always (laughs) ends up being a good conversation and and i'm never in a rush to you know rush people to the next question or cut them off. And you came with a whole bunch of heat, man, exactly what I was anticipating. And I think that um, if Prospects Live sees like six or seven bump ups in their subs uh, this week, you got to tell them the pull hitter sent them. <laughs> uh, definitely will, definitely will. <laughs> yeah, man. But no, I really appreciate you coming on. And I think these, uh, the listeners will have uh, a lot to uh, jot down and listen to in this episode. And I really do hope to... Uh, well, I don't want to see you in in high stake draft rooms, but um, I do. You know, I think that uh, I think that you're I think you got a lot of good process uh, going on in your brain and you're definitely good enough to hang and compete. You know, um, 
I didn't really think I was, and I did it anyway. <laughs> you know, so you just got to get out there and do it, man. I think you could totally. Uh, he, he got a lot of stuff here. So um, if you just want to let everyone know again where they could find you, um, what you're doing with your work and what you have coming up this year, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, first off, thank you very much. I really enjoy this. It's great. Always great talking to you anyway. Um, <clears throat> I am at the underscore underscore arrival, two underscores. I don't think it matters. So you can still find me. Um, <laughs> at Prospects Live, Patreon on the Dynasty team. Um, we've talked about it at length, but, uh, you know, Eddie Almaguer, Drew Wheeler, Jordan Rosenblum, Matt, uh, Thompson, we're all on that team. We've tried to put out the content. Uh, we have all these tools, RoboScout, RoboScout, the comps, we're going to have the dynasty 1000. We have Statcast data-driven ranks that Tiernan Alexander has, um, that's available on the Patreon. We have our top 500 that we update regularly, um, podcasts, of course, um, just a great team over there. Um, I think it's worth it, of course. Um, that's basically where you can find me. And maybe you'll see me in, in some draft rooms, some draft lobbies, and then FBC. We don't know. I, I'm, right. I'm still, I just think it's too much stress. I, I just, how much I agonize in, in no stakes leagues. I just know <laughs> it's going to kill me that like Liam Hendricks blowing a save and then uh, someone getting a vulture win. And I'm like, oh my God, how could this happen to me? All that stuff is going to kill me. So. <laughs> I got, I got to make sure I'm in the right headspace, but, uh, I would love the challenge and, uh, I'd love to compete against you guys and all the other, uh, guys that I highly respect and want to be competitive with. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, like they always talk about like, Oh, you know, is it really just a better league? Because it's just, there's money attached to it. And there's obviously great players in any type of leagues, but it really does add that pressure, you know, that yeah. that can't be accounted for when it was, like you said, when there's money attached to it now, it's super agonizing. It's the, the decision become more critical and more, you know, um, everything. So it's, uh, it's not like it automatically becomes a superior, better league. It's just with that added to your stress level, you know, that's what makes it harder per se as well, you know? Um, yeah. So I really, uh, I really hope you get out there. I think you're going to do well, of course. And, um, yeah, man, this was an awesome conversation. And um, I think everyone's going to get a lot of stuff from this episode. Hope so. Thank you very much. All right, man. Enjoy your night. Thank you. See ya. Alrighty, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast. We're going to come at you with another episode sometime in the middle of the week. Uh, maybe get to do two uh, this upcoming week, which would be great. Um, yeah, keep you in the loop. Keep checking out the Pole Hitter Pod page as well as my Twitter at DeadPoleHitter. Yeah, and uh, we'll keep rolling into this off-season prep, you know, how we like to do. We'll talk to prospect guys, NFBC players, um, whoever can g get on the show and give us any insight into some good fantasy baseball tips. If you have left a rating and review, super thanks, super appreciative of that. All that means the most to me. I love getting the Twitter messages from new listeners or any listener who been listening to the pod and... Let's thank me for the value it brought to their game. And um, yeah, that's awesome. It feels great. And uh, all that is much appreciative and really, really thankful for anyone who takes the time out to do that. And not being a bag of shit, the number one goal. All right, peace. Go out there and draft. <laughs>